chapter 3, verses 8 through 24. They're on the screens behind me. Follow along as I read. This is the word of the Lord. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to, me, to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can be seated. I want to encourage you, if you have a copy of God's Word, to take it out and turn to Genesis chapter 3. It'll be in verse 8 as we read. We're continuing our series through the book of Genesis. If you're new to Trace Crossing, uh, our, one of our practices in preaching is to preach through books of the Bible verse by verse. And so we are preaching through the book of Genesis right now. We will cover the first 11 chapters of Genesis uh, by the end of November. We will begin an Advent series from the end of November all the way through the end of December. And then once we get to January, we will jump back into Genesis in Genesis chapter 12 and see where the Lord takes us. Last week, Josh preached Genesis 3, 1 through 7. He considered the, the fall of man, the temptation from Satan, and how the original couple fell to temptation and sinned against God. Our passage this week, obviously, as we read, deals with the effects, deals with the fallout of, of those first sins. Now, I want to begin this morning with a, with a little exercise I want to encourage you to think of a time 
when you felt really out of place, really out of place, you know, like, like you did not belong. You see, Adam and Eve, they go from living in the Garden of Eden to living in exile. They go from belonging in the presence of God, enjoying his, the fullness of his presence, to banishment. They, they lost, and exile is the experience of every single person in this room. We all are exiles in this world. And so I want you to, I want you to begin by thinking about it. Have you ever taken a new job, and then when you, when you go to that job, it's, it's just so different from your former place of work in some very important and significant ways. How, how does that make you feel? How did it make you feel? You know, how, how does your heart respond whenever you're in a new job or you move to a new town or a new state? When, when our family moved from Kentucky, you know, to Mississippi, there were some obvious differences between Kentucky and Mississippi that we had to deal with. And one of them that we sort of knew in our head but we didn't experience was the heat, you know? The heat in the summer, it's like the summer never ended and it, like, be, the summer would begin in like May and then it would end in like the end of October and we were, what is this? You know, like we've, we've experienced hot summers before but nothing quite like this. So basically what I'm saying is that Mississippi is exile. You know, I don't, um, um, no, I'm just kidding. It's not. I love it here. We, we love it here. We love living in Mississippi. But you know the experience. Whenever you, especially when you first move and you're somewhere new, a new school, if you move to a new school, a new city, a new job, and you just feel like, you know, I don't belong here. That's the experience of humanity in this fallen world. We all experience it. We all feel it. Something's not right. Well, our passage this morning gets into the, the why it's not right. It, it gets into describing, you know, what it, like putting into words like what it is that's not right. And then finally it shows us how things can be resolved. You see, Adam and Eve became exiles through their sin. Sin became their new master and lord, and a pain-ridden, broken world became their new residence, and all that remained of Eden was all that remains of Eden for us, a longing in our hearts. So our passage today deals with the human experience, and I want to show it to you in three ways, especially in regard to exile. First, we're going to look at the reason we are exiles. Why? Why are we exiles? Second, we're going to look at the evidence of our exile. Okay, what, what does it mean? What are the results of this sin that led to exile? What does it look like? What, what is exile characterized by? And then finally, we're going to look and we're going to see, is there a way to get out? Is there a way to return home? We're going to see how the Lord responds to sin. First, the reason that we are exiles. So before we get into, uh, you know, describing what sin did, because that's the majority of this passage, what sin did, we need to consider what sin is. What is sin? Now, the results of the first sin are absolutely devastating. The consequences of that first sin in the Garden of Eden, they bring loss, death, suffering, pain, and chaos that is felt by all of creation. You know, I, I was reading Genesis with a non-believer a couple months ago, and we were just, we were just kind of reading through it, and we, we read through this part of Genesis, and I asked him his thoughts, and he reads through the end of Genesis 3, and he just looks at me and he says, 
man, that was harsh. You know, it's like they, they ate some fruit and they get kicked out of the garden and now there's like women have pain when they, you know, have babies and, you know, the ground is cursed and the serpent is cursed and I guess the serpent was like hopping around on his tail. I don't know what he was doing, but it's like now he crawls on his belly and it's like, man, all this stuff changes. Now there's brokenness in relationships and there are wars and conflicts all because somebody ate fruit from a tree. And there's this conclusion. He's like, that sounds harsh. And it does sound harsh if we don't understand the nature of the sin. What's happening here? What's happening here? Look at verse 11. Verse 11. The Lord has, has, is asking Adam and Eve a series of questions. And the first question comes at the end of verse 9. Where are you? The second question comes in verse 11. After Adam said, well, I heard you in the garden and I, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The Lord responds to him with a question and says, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? What is this sin? You see, we don't need to overcomplicate this. Everything about God's good creation starts, being, starts unraveling because Adam failed to obey the word of the Lord. It's that, it really is that simple. He's like, um, you know that you're naked now. There's a consequence. There's a result. So then the Lord draws that parallel, and he says, so you've eaten from the tree, right? He disobeyed the word of the Lord, and now everything unravels. You are a sinner today because Adam ate from the tree. He disobeyed the word of the Lord. What's happening here? Well, we need to get to the root of sin to understand. The root of this first sin was not that Adam just made a simple mistake and ate from the wrong tree. Or Eve, you know, listens to the serpent and she's deceived. Whoops, didn't mean to. No. The root of this sin is their abandonment of God as their supreme authority. That's the issue here. The first sin involved a choice to usurp God's reign through rebellion against his word. It was a desire for personal autonomy and independence from God. Here's why this is so serious. Mankind was created with the express purpose of living independence on God for everything. That's why we were made, to live independence on God for everything. And consistent with that purpose, God commanded his people to trust him to provide. That's the idea behind the prohibition against eating from that tree. You know, God's not being a stickler. He's saying, hey, eat from any tree. Just don't eat from that one. Trust me to provide for you. Trust me. I will take care of you. But just as creation began with a word from God, so the reversal of God's creation began with Adam and Eve's disregard for the word of God. The root of sin is always... A desire to be independent of God. Our sin is characterized by a desire to do things our way or by a desire to do things in our own power. We, and this takes extreme forms and it takes mild forms, but we want to be masters of the universe. We want to be the ones to set the course, to set the terms for our own life. 
And that's what Adam and Eve were doing here in the garden. The Lord said, do not eat from that tree, and they believed they knew a better way. So they disregard, they disregard him. They're, they're, they're not depending on him. They're independent. They're finding their own way. Now, the reason that this sin led to such devastating consequences is because Adam and Eve stopped doing the one thing that guaranteed their life. If you think about it, all Adam and Eve had to do to continue receiving life and goodness and joy and pleasure from the Lord, all they had to do was to keep receiving it from him. Receive, receive. The Lord's providing, just receive. Just receive, trust him, trust him, receive from his hand. Live according to your purpose, just receive. And it's when they start taking that things go wrong. They stopped receiving from God's generous hand and they started taking, which is so ironic because they wouldn't even exist unless the Lord himself gave them life. We see in Genesis 2 how the Lord formed Adam, how the Lord formed Eve, how he breathed life into them, how he gave them everything their heart could have ever desired in the garden. And then all it takes is a snake asking a question and they start to doubt God and they turn and they start to try to find their own way. Now, if you can see the root of this first sin, you'll be able to see the root of every sin that you commit. Every sin that you commit, it's, it's rooted in this issue of wanting independence from God. Now, this lumps all of us together because when I think of someone who wants to be independent from God wants their own authority I just think of a rebel you know you just think of someone who wants to do things their own way they're kind of cavalier they're they're not someone who's going to you know if you you know like in school and, and you line all the kids up the one kid who just kind of stands a little bit outside the line just a little bit just because you know like that's 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 what I think of here when I think of someone wanting to be independent from God the teacher says you know hey everybody oh man my dad who's a PE teacher this would light him on fire he would line all the kids up on the baseline in the gym and he'd be like all right we're gonna run but everybody's got to start with their feet on the line you know, your feet have to be on the line. And there'd always be that one kid that would, like, have his heels, you know, just, just, a, just not bar maybe barely touching the line. Or it would be, you know, just a little bit off the line. It's like, why, you're why are you doing that, you know? Just stand on the line. We think of people who want independence from God as rebels. But we're all in this. Both rebels and rule followers. Those who follow the rules are also included in here as those who seek independence from God. It's the root of every single sin we commit, whether it's ugly or pretty. Think of an example in the life of the church. Think of service in the church. Something we should all do, right? We should all be serving. And how, how we can sin in this area. Well, for those of you who are rebels, you know, you, you like to find your own way, a different path. You might not serve in the church because, you know, you just feel like you have more important things to do with your time, you know, or maybe you just didn't like being told what to do. You know, it's like, hey, you know, we really need to be serving. Huh, okay, I'll show you. I'm not going to. not going to do it. And so you rebel. You find your own way. You do, you, you know, you, you want to do something else. Uh, we're prone to hear the Lord's word if we're rebels about how we should live, and then we just succumb to the lure of sin. 
We, we want to we do it a different way. And so we reject God's word, but that reveals a failure to trust him. And that one's obvious to us. But what about you rule followers? Those of you that if you're told to stand on a line, you'll stand on that line until the sun goes down. You know, you're not budging. And, and you follow the rules. You too can still sin. And you can actually sin even when you're following the rules. Even when you're technically obeying God, you can still sin. Think of service in the church. You know, you could be one of the most faithful servants in the church and be seeking independence from God. Okay? You could be the one, you know, we send out a sign-up, you're the first one to sign up. You know, we ask for a response in an email, you're the first one to respond. There's something to do up at the church, you're the first one to show up, and you just serve so well. But if you're serving because you're trying to earn God's favor, or if you're serving so that other people will be impressed with you, then you're no better than the rebel who stays at home. And, and the one thing we have in common is that we're seeking our own way. We're not submitting to one another. We're not loving one another. We're not selflessly serving one another as the Lord has commanded us to do in his word. By rebelling against God's design for them, Adam and Eve and all generations after them, including you and I, we live in sin's realm. And so this desire to reign with supreme authority, to take God's place, hides within each and every one of us. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. But the way back in, you know the way back in, right? The, the way back into a right relationship with God is, is not through obedience. It's, it's not through doing anything good. It's through what? Simple faith. We were created to live in constant dependence on God. And Adam and Eve rejected this. And because of that, their relationship with God was ruined, their relationship with each other was ruined, as we're going to see in a minute, and they're separated from God. Well, the way for that to be restored is through the work of Jesus on our behalf, which we receive as a gift. You see, we're back in the rhythm. If you're a Christian in this room, you are back in that Edenic rhythm, that rhythm that, they, that the people had in the Garden of Eden, where we trust the Lord to provide for us. We were created to live in constant dependence on God for everything, including simple trust of his word. Now, Adam and Eve rejected this design. It's the root of all sin, and it changed everything. Here's some examples. Let's move on to the second part, the result of sin, the evidence that we are exiles. So we are exiles because of sin, and the root of sin is seeking independence from God. Now, what is the evidence that we are actually living in exile? That this world, even though we have many great experiences in it, is not our home. What's the evidence? We have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight two things for you. First, alienation. Alienation. People were created to, to live in relationship with God and in relationship with one another. But sin destroyed and distorted these relationships. So sin alien, alienates us in three ways. Sin alienates us from God, sin alienates us from each other, and it alienates us from ourselves. So let's, let's look at this. First, from God. Even though that we were created to live in communion with God, sin separates us from God. That's, that's one of the effects of sin, one of the results of sin. And it's one of the evidences that we live in exile, not Eden. We are separated from God. We are severed from him. Uh, look with me at verse, verse 8. 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Verse 8 is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. The original couple, they were created by God to be in communion with God, to live with God. And, you know, we don't know the chronology of, of these events. If it was just the same day they were created, they sinned in this way, or it was the day after, the day after that, we're not really sure. But if it wasn't the same day, you can imagine that there were times when the Lord would be walking in the garden, and it would have been such a sweet sound to the man and woman. There's the Lord, the one we love with all our hearts, the one who loves us with all his. And here, they hear the sound of the Lord walking in their midst, and it terrifies them. They seek refuge, but they don't seek refuge in God. They seek it in the trees that he made. They run, they hide, they're afraid, they're ashamed, because their relationship with God is now broken. That's what sin does. And then, and then the Lord highlights their distance from him by asking Adam in verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And again, he's not, he's not asking this because he doesn't know. I mean, he, he knows where Adam is. He's asking this to highlight to Adam, you once were very near to me, but now look where you are. You're so far away. And that's what sin does. Sin takes us from being very near to God to being very far away from him. And so even though God is very present in this moment, they couldn't be spiritually further from God. Their communion has been severed. They are spiritually cut off. They run, they hide, they're afraid, they're ashamed. And you and I experience the same thing. From the time of our birth, we are separated from God. We are alienated because we possess the same nature that, that Adam and Eve passed down to us. A sin nature. We are sinners and so by nature of being sinners, we are alienated, separated from God. We are exiles. This is not what we were created to experience. We were created to experience the presence of the Lord. We were created to hear the Lord walking in the midst of the garden and to rejoice and to run to him for laughter and pleasure and happiness. Instead, we are sinners. And so when we hear the Lord, it terrifies us. We run and we hide. You know what it's like whenever you feel conviction over something. You don't like that feeling. So you distract yourself. You move away. You ignore it. You don't think about it. You don't talk about it. We continue to run and hide from the Lord to this day, but it's all because of sin. Okay, so sin alienates us from God, but sin also alienates us from, from one another. Look at verse 11. So after the Lord asked Adam, you know, have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man responds in verse 12. And Adam responds in a very interesting way. He says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. <laughs> and that, that is so unfortunate. Do you know what the answer to that question is? The answer, you know, the, the answer should be, so the question is, have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? 
I, I used to have a teacher in school that would say, answer the question, all of the question, every single part of the question. Okay, so th- the answer to that question is what? Yes, <laughs> right? The answer is yes. What is, what is Adam's answer? The woman. That's his answer. Look at it. That's how he starts his sentence. He starts his sentence like that. Like I, what I would say to my kids, okay, start over. Start over. That's not the way to start a sentence. That's not right. The woman. That's how he begins. Do you see, do you see the relationship and how it's already, it's already been torn? What was the first thing that Adam said when he saw the woman for the very first time? And contrast that with what he says now. He first sees the woman after God creates her. And he says, at last, at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He, he literally sings a song about the woman. He looks to the Lord with gratitude for such a beautiful and perfect gift. And now what does he do? He turns on the Lord and he says, what? Uh, Have you eaten of the tree? He says, well, the woman that you gave to be with me. She gave me fruit. and Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course I ate it. I ate it after that point. But the, the real issue here is that you gave me the woman. It's so tragic. He goes from seeing Eve as a beautiful gift to to now he views her with contempt. It's almost as if he's saying, if you hadn't given me this woman, I wouldn't be in this mess. And And we laugh about that, but the harmony that was designed for the man and woman has totally been trampled on. Things are are not as they were meant to be, but aren't they so relatable? We get to this point in the story, and that's when we can be like, oh, I know what that's like, right? You know, now we start like nodding our head, right? We're like, we get it. This, this is, because this is our experience, exile. This is, not what, this is not the way things were designed to be. Then if you move down to verse 16, the judgment, the judgment passages, okay? Verse 16, we, we see more alienation between the man and the woman. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. So, you know, just, uh, of course, like, uh, it kind of goes back to, to Genesis 1 where he tells the man and woman, like, you're, I'm going to multiply children through you. You're going to multiply children, or you're called to be fruitful and multiply. Now it's through multiplying children, I'm going to multiply pain, you know. So, like, that's, it's a play on words there. Um, but what's most noticeable is, is the end of it. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. This beautiful design of God for men and women, for husbands and wives, to live in complementary harmony is now tainted. The couple that was meant to, to serve one another in their complementary roles, now they try to dominate one another. They try to overcome one another with force. And that's what sin does to our relationships. Sin destroys trust. Sin destroys intimacy, love, and gratitude. Sin destroys service and relationships. It puts up walls between us. And broken relationships are reminders that we do not live in Eden. We are exiles. And this is not how the world was meant to be. I was reminded of that the other day when... I, you know, learned of these these three boys in a family, and one of the brothers is being sent away to live with another 
relative, broken family. And, and the little boy, uh, I was able to ask him, you know, how, how does this make you feel? And he just said, I just feel so sad. Every time you see a broken relationship like that, every time you experience a broken relationship like that, this is the result of sin. This is not the design of God. And we are exiles. But sin doesn't just alienate us from God or others. Interestingly, sin actually alienates us from ourselves. So I want you to notice in verse 12 and 13. In verses 12 and 13, we have a pattern here. The man blames the woman. And then in verse 13, the Lord turns to the woman and says, what have you done? And the woman then blames the serpent. You know, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Sin alienates us from ourselves. The result of sin in these responses is that they shift blame elsewhere. Sin blinds them and removes self-awareness. It blinds them to, to what's actually happening. So we, we don't just hide from God and others. Sin actually leads us to hide and run from ourselves. They're running from reality here. They don't want to see their sin for what it is. And you and I do the same thing. We blame all the time, all the time, even with simple things, you know? If, if Erica looks at me and she's like, hey, you know, um, the garbage truck is like coming down the hill and the garbage isn't at the road, you know? Why did, why did you not put the garbage down at the road? There are like 1,500 dirty diapers like in the, in the trash out there and now it's gonna be here until Friday and we're gonna have to smell it. Why didn't you do that? And be like, Oh, I'm so sorry, I would have, but if you hadn't asked me to do something else, I would have done it. Like we, I mean, even just little things like that, we can't just like take ownership, you know? We don't want to see ourselves in that way. We, we hide from ourselves. That's what sin does. We, we were created to be naked and unashamed spiritually, and, and yet now we just want cover. We want, we want cover. We don't people to, want people to see us for who we truly are, and we don't even want to see ourselves for who we truly are. So, sin. Evidence we're exiles. We are just alien, alienated. We're alienated from each other. We're alienated from God and we're alienated from ourselves. But one, one more evidence that we're in exile, and it's a big one. Death. Death. So by eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve lost access to the tree of life. They lost access to the perpetual, never-ending, life-giving presence of the Lord. Sin leads to death. And it leads to death in two ways. It leads to physical death, and it leads to spiritual death. Look, look at verse 19. So, in part of, part of the judgment on the man, which, which is the longest, here at the end, we find this in verse 19. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So because of their sin, they will now die. They will die. A physical death. Can I remind you of something? This is relatable too. We're all going to die. Okay. We we don't we don't like to hear that. It makes us uncomfortable. 
but it's true. One day, you are going to die. And it's a foregone conclusion, okay? Unless Christ returns. Unless Christ returns first. Like, it's a foregone conclusion. And it's, it's all because of this first sin. Funerals are a reminder that we do not live in Eden. We will die. Because, because we are sinners. <laughs> we inherit the consequences of, of Adam's sin. But that's not the scary part. There's another kind of death that we should be worried about, and that's spiritual death. Now, now just keep, keep going down to verse 24. So after the Lord judges the serpent, the woman, the man, he gets down the verse, verses 22 through 24, and he says, okay, we, we need to kick them out of the garden. And in verse 24, we find it. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So here's, here's the, the image here. Adam and Eve have lost any chance at eternal life in their own power. They can't get it. They've, they've been kicked out. They've been exiled. They've been banished. And if they try to come back in to get access to eternal life through the tree of life, they'll be killed. There's a flaming sword that will come down on them. They can't come back in. Why can't they come back in? Because of their sin. Because of their sin, they cannot come in. And so the man died even before he returned to the dust. Adam would live another 900 and something years. But he had already died a spiritual death. He, he has been severed from the place of God. He has been cut off from the land of the living. Sin kills. And it's this spiritual death that we need to be most concerned about. Okay? This, this, this being cut off from God. And here's why you need to be concerned about it. You can't get access to it on your own. Because if you try to go in, flaming sword. That's a problem. <laughs> because of Adam's sin, he can't come into the presence of God. He's banished from the garden, from the tree of life, and from God himself. And that is the case of every single one of us by nature. So, so what do we do? There's a response. <laughs> the Lord responds in two ways that actually bring so much hope to a passage that is so dark. The Lord responds in two ways. Exiles can return. We have hope of return because of these two things. First, God pursued Adam and Eve in their sin. Oh, do you, don't skip past this in verse 9. In verse 9, Adam and Eve have already sinned. The Lord's walking towards them. Now they're hiding. They're trying to avoid the inevitable. And in verse 9, what we could read is, and the Lord God eliminated them. And the Lord God wiped them out. And the Lord God banished them. And the Lord God cursed them. But what's it say? But the Lord God called. He called to the man. He doesn't go straight to judgment. He doesn't banish them immediately. He doesn't curse them. He runs to them. God runs to them in their sin. And we're, we don't naturally do that. When someone sins against us, you better give me a minute. 
You know, I got, I got to deal with these feelings first. I'm not coming to you. But the Lord, he sinned against and he pursues. God will eventually make clothes for Adam and Eve. You notice this? He covers them. He covers them even before he exiles them. So even though God is just, he is also merciful. The Lord pursues you in your sin. He comes after you. He chases you down. And that's good news because of what comes next. There is a promise embedded in these curses. God didn't just pursue Adam and Eve in their sin. God promised to redeem Adam and Eve from their sin. Look at Genesis 3.15. The Lord is cursing the serpent. He's cursing the serpent. And right here in the middle of that curse, we find one of the greatest blessings we could ever hope for. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. As God curses this serpent, he promises his defeat through a future seed of the woman. One day, a child, an offspring of this woman would crush the head of the serpent even as the serpent strikes his heel. And so as the drama of Scripture unfolds, we see a lot of Eve's children, a lot of her offspring that rise up as potential snake crushers, but they all fail the same way their original parents did. They succumb to the serpent. They don't crush the serpent. But one day, the snake crusher did come to undo all that we messed up. And this in part explains why Jesus had to die. When Jesus died on the cross, he felt the sting, the bite of death. But through his death, Jesus defeated the serpent. And he defeated sin and all of the nasty results that sin created. Every consequence of sin will be reversed through Jesus. Our relationships with God and one another will be reconciled. We will be restored from the inside out as the stain of sin is cleansed. And most significantly, we will, even though we're exiles now, we will return home to the presence and place of God. There is hope for all of Adam and Eve's descendants in this room. So even though we inherit the devastating results of their sin, and even though we repeat their actions of distrust and autonomy all the time, the same God who pursued them pursues you. And the same God who promised rescue and redemption to them promises it to you. And we're here to tell you, it is found in Jesus. So would you turn to him today? Would you turn to the Savior and do what Adam and Eve should have done in the very beginning? Simply trust him to provide and to cover all of your sin. If you do, we will return home and we will return home together.